0: what is up you guys welcome to 10 pin life podcast number 19 featuring verity crawley verity has become an absolute stalwart on the PWBA tour she is always in the hunt i mean this if you just look at this last season she had one bad event and obviously the season isn't done yet as they roll into the lucy this week as well as into the final three stops in Texas next week. In this conversation, we hit on a lot of really cool stuff, including her process of going from the UK to being on the team at Weber International, kind of what her professional bowling career is like, what her process is like, and how she's made some transitions professionally in her mental game as well as in her physical game. And a lot of other cool stuff including kind of her experiences recently with working directly alongside norm duke after one of the coolest moments in bowling ever before we get started i do want you guys to know that this episode is sponsored by bowl dry enterprises greg was cool enough to send me one of these fans a couple months ago and really take it for a test drive because one of the rules that i live by here on 10 pin life is i won't sponsor products that i don't believe in so i said greg If you want to sponsor the podcast, absolutely, but I got to try this thing out and I got to make sure it's worth it. And honestly, I've been pretty impressed with the sustainability of the battery, but also the durability of the entire fan itself. And honestly, it's just a good thing to have in your bag. I never really was a fan user before having this fan, and now I have it on all the time when I'm practicing or if I'm bowling league, just to have it on my hand, keep it nice and dry. Now that we're coming into the summer months of July and August, it's pretty much on all the time just to make sure that I can either keep myself warm, put it on the bottom of my shoe in between shots to make sure that that stays nice and dry if it's humid or on my hand honestly it's just everywhere moving air around and you know you take it for granted when you have it and then you don't have it like I have a couple times here over the last couple weeks and I've really missed it so be sure to head on over to bulldry.com that's b-o-w-l-d-r-i.com and use the code 10pin15 T-E-N-P-I-N-1-5 at checkout for 15% off your final order. But that's enough out of me, you guys. Let's get into it. This is 10 Pin Life Podcast number 19 with Verity Crawley. Well, yeah, I, I guess the only way to really start this conversation is happy belated birthday.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: uh, what did you what did you do? Anything fun for your birthday?
1: So I actually stayed in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was at Junior Gold, and I could have left. Um, I was kind of done with my storm duties, but I decided to stay so that I could hang out with a few people. I mm-hmm. ate a lot of good food. I went to a sculpture gardens, so it was fun. A little bit of sightseeing. Spent some time with friends. So can't complain
0: how was the junior gold experience this year?
1: It was really nice. I'm always very overwhelmed by the amount of kids that are there. And I think coming from the UK where I had a lot of youth bowling and I was very thankful that youth bowling was decently alive when I was growing up. And that's kind of what got me started, but we never had anything like junior gold because there's just not that many bowlers. So for me, it's always been so eye-opening to be able to see the amount of kids that are there and some of the talent that they have I mean even at the Mm -hmm. under 12 level I'm like wow you're gonna be really good one day if you keep with it so that's really cool and this year was my first year actually representing Storm at Junior Gold so that was really nice and there was just I mean there were so many kids that like knew who I was which oftentimes I don't think it's I don't realize that that's the case right I obviously have a decently strong social media presence but to know that the kids actually know that and follow me and want a photo or want an autograph, I think was very cool.
0: Was there a time like, was that, I guess for me, you know, once I started getting recognized in public because it's like my face is on the internet, it was kind of a weird thing. Like you just have random people like saying hi. Um, but I, I'd like, that's a whole different level, but you've done a ton of work to get to that point. Was that kind of surreal for you to be like, there's like, everybody in this room knows who I am.
1: Yeah, it definitely is, and I still don't think it's really hit me that that's the case, right? I'm expecting that people are just queuing up in this storm booth because they know that they're going, you know, they want to see Norm Duke or they want to uh, see—I don't, I don't know—but I've never really felt that it's me. But then sometimes when people speak to you and they're like, "Oh my God, I've been like, I can't wait to meet you. I, I've been queuing for two hours to see you," and I'm like, "Wait for me? That's crazy." And I don't think that I will ever realize it you know, as much as many as I hope that continues to happen year after year, I still don't think it's going to actually hit me.
0: Yeah, for sure. That and the the social media thing is actually something that I wanted to touch on. So I I do want to get there. But you brought up kind of like the the youth bowling portion of your life. And um, so in all of the conversations that I have with pros, a, a lot of times I like to focus on what their bowling story is, because it's really easy to focus on those moments like you had in Nashville last year, right. And focus on the wins and focus on the big highlights. But so many of us don't get there. And and like, and it, and I, I I really do find it it more fascinating to know how you got to that point. So, and I know you've told your story a lot about how you started really, really young. Um, So I guess I'm kind of curious, like how do you sort of um, kind of just, condense down what your bowling story is if somebody was like how in the world did you become a professional bowler
1: oh that's a tough one to condense it down honestly because i feel like Mm -hmm. i went through so much i bowled so much but i think the craziest thing for me is that I never really felt like I was good enough to get to that level but I also never thought it was possible so growing up I was never really that aware of professional bowling to be able to say oh one day I want to become a professional bowler and Mm -hmm. I remember writing in my school yearbook when I finished like I think somehow I will always keep doing bowling, right? Like Mm -hmm. I bowled so much as youth, but I didn't know that I would be able to take it to this level. I had no idea that I was going to come to the U.S. and study at university in the U.S. And it's just kind of everything kept happening to where I got to continue bowling. And it was Mm -hmm. one of those things to where bowling was always the one thing I wanted to do. I never really had this desire to work in a certain field or you know have this dream job for me it was always oh I know I'm gonna work and I'm gonna do something but I'm always gonna bowl Mm -hmm. and it just kind of you know, I got opportunities to be able to be in the US to compete at the collegiate level. And for me, that was really the stepping stone between going professional and Mm -hmm. also bowling, bowling professional events as an amateur. I think if I hadn't have done that, then I wouldn't have felt like, oh, maybe I should try going out on tour one day. Uh, That was one of the biggest things I did after I graduated was I bowled as an amateur and I competed Mm -hmm. in a few events to figure out, hey, is this something that maybe one day i want to do and you know i really enjoyed it i i bowled pretty good i thought for having no expectations and it made me want to go pro
0: yeah for sure and, and it, it's so crazy like from an outsider's perspective to hear that because you were really successful at weber and, yeah. and like to have that
1: <laughs> right like as an individual yeah. if you look at the individual statistics we never looked at that at Weber. we mm-hmm. normally people are you know teams are set on making the all tournament team and you bowl all six games whereas our coach didn't want us to make all tournament team you know he didn't want us to have that individual side of it so I felt like I actually kind of didn't do a whole lot as an individual at Weber I had Mm -hmm. one two years where I made the intercollegiate singles championships and one of those years I made the tv show but that was kind of the most that I had done as an individual at Weber and it's so different going from team bowling like collegiate team bowling to then bowling completely by yourself which is really what bowling is because bowling is such an individual sport and Mm -hmm. growing up I knew that growing up all I did was compete by myself but as a junior bowler, i I didn't really win a whole lot. Like I had a little bit of success when I got older, and that kind of opened my opportunities to come to the u s. But when I look at my youth bowling career, I felt like most of it was me being frustrated at the fact that people told me I was good. Yeah, I'm finishing seventh and I'm missing making team england. i'm I'm not getting picked to go to the team. I'm just missing winning tournaments. Like that happened so much to me as a youth bowler. and I mm-hmm. really never felt like I was good enough because I was focusing so much on the results. I was looking so much at, well, I've never won. How can you tell me that I'm good?
0: Mm-hmm. Do you find that you're kind of a results focused person like that or is that shifted over time? Like? That's a
1: hundred percent shifted. So I would actually say yeah. up until about 2019, I mm-hmm. felt way too results oriented because mm-hmm. I thought that I needed to win in order to believe that I was good. And I yeah. felt that because my whole youth career, I felt I've never done anything. I've never won anything. Okay. I, I did have, I'm not going to say I never won because I did, but compared to the amount that I bowled, I always felt like, why do I keep losing? And why do people keep telling me I'm good when I keep losing? So I feel like I focused so much on wanting to get those results so that I could finally feel like I was good enough. Um, mm-hmm. And it's taken me a long time to realize that it doesn't work that way and that it's not all about the results.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. So like that that youth bowling experience, it gets you into Weber. That's actually one thing that I've been curious about um, re- actually since I talked to Diana like almost a year ago now, because um, she was obviously a teammate with you at Weber. Um, what was the recruiting process like? Like that's one thing that doesn't really get a lot of attention. Like how do you go from being a bowler in the UK to being a bowler in South Florida? <laughs>
1: And you will actually find that mine and Diana's story is pretty much identical in that essence. So for me, what happened was I bowled a European Youth Championships for representing Team England, and I did bowl really well. I won a few medals, I shot 300, and it was kind of my first experience to where I felt like I bowled great. And from there, I was contacted by a few different universities. Weber wasn't one of them at the time. Um, a few different coaches reached out to me and I was kind of like, do I want to go to the US and bowl? And I wasn't really set on any of the universities that reached out to me. Like they were in cold locations. I knew that the bowling teams weren't necessarily ranked the best in the nation. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of shugged them off and decided like, if I'm gonna, going to go, I want to go to somewhere that has a really good bowling team because in the end, you know, I want to get better. And my yeah. other thing was I kind of wanted to go somewhere that was warm. Like, I'm in the UK. It rains a lot. It's cold. Do I want to go somewhere where it's like winter all year round? But I was a little <laughs> bit against that. Um, but anyway, I was contacted by Sid Allen, which a lot of people probably don't know. But from the international scene, he's one of the best coaches in the world. And I had worked with him in the UK. So he knew who I was from a young age. He reached out to me and said, hey, have you ever considered going to Weber? And I Said no. And he said, mm-hmm. Well, would you think about it? And I said, Of course. I mean, they train at Kebble Training Center. For me, that was like, you know, the big awe of, you know, improving your bowling game. So mm-hmm. he actually sent my bowling videos to Del Warren, who is the head coach of the program. And it all mm-hmm. spiraled from there. Funnily enough, the head coach of the women's team, I never spoke to until I showed up at Weber and he's like I'm like hi I'm very very nice to meet you so who are you like he'd never spoken to me he didn't really recruit me it all happened through Sid and Dell. so that was kind of a a little bit of a funny story and being international it's obviously a different recruiting process than it is Mm -hmm. in the UK but having coached also at the collegiate level at SCAD I've kind of Mm -hmm. experienced how to recruit and for me at SCAD it was kind of the case of we want to try and look at all of the tournaments throughout the year. So we would look at junior gold and team masters and team trials, but we're also looking at European championships and world championships so that we can see all of the players across the world, not just within the U S and it did tend to be the case of, okay, we will look at those championships and then we will look at the players and maybe we contact them. Maybe we get videos from them. Mm -hmm. There was times where, um, the head coach at SCAD actually went to an event like that. She went to the world championship so that she can actually watch some of the players in action.
0: That's awesome. Do you find uh, like when you were doing that? And I, I believe that the coach that you're referring to is Katie, who, if I, if I'm not mistaken, is like one of your best friends too. Yeah. So that probably helped a little bit too. But, um, when you were in that process, cause I know that's, um, you did cause you were assistant coach for the one year or was it two? I did it for three. I was three. My goodness. I can't count. I uh, I have a three-year-old. So my, my concept of time is completely blown out. It's just gone. So um, when you, when you were doing that though, like in that recruiting process, did you find like the kids that were made like on the international stage? Were they, was, was it different? Like the ones that were like succeeding, were they different from the kids that were maybe succeeding stateside or was, was there, was there differences there or was it just like,
1: It's hard to say. I would say the international players have probably a little bit more of the competitive experience bowling for their country, which Mm -hmm. the US, I think, is a little bit harder to come by. Um, Obviously, you have those junior team players, but I think they're a lot harder to recruit than the international players that are bowling for their country. But you just have a wider pool because there's more countries. So there's more players. So I would mm. say that they've competed more on a team level for their country, which obviously when you have that team bowling experience, that makes it easier to transition into college.
0: For sure. For sure. It, cause yeah, like you said, team bowling is, is a, it's a completely different animal, but it's, and I don't know if you share this opinion. I so much prefer team bowling over individual bowling. Like how, cause you, obviously you've succeeded at both levels now um do you have a preference or is it just as long as you're standing on the approach and throwing the rock it's 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 good to go
1: I mean I do agree with I love both but I think individual for me would would win it but I obviously do that a lot more um the reason I loved collegiate bowling so much is because you have that common goal with those players and some of those players you're with for four years so I think that's kind of special because you create this bond you work together for that common goal for four years and then when you if you have that opportunity to win a national championship together obviously it's special it's special to stand on the approach and have seven people behind you that want you to strike um but it's hard as well because you have that you don't want to let them down whereas when you're bowling Mm -hmm. by yourself it's just yourself that you're letting down
0: Yeah, for sure. And especially if you're in that and you're really results oriented too, like that can accelerate that impatience quite a bit, too. I know that um, when I was when I was coaching, that was one of the hardest things to to coach kids out of was just like, hey, if you miss in the second frame, it's fine. Just go get it in the seventh. And it's it's so hard because it feels so much more compressed. Uh, Whereas if you're bowling by yourself and you have eight games rather than having 12 frames, you have 80. It's like, well. If I throw this one out the window, it happens.
1: (laughs) It's like you have one bad game and an individual block and you've got seven more games to make up for it. Whereas in the team side of things, if you're bowling the individual games and you shoot 150, you're going to be on the bench. So you don't get a chance to kind of come back and redeem yourself, which I definitely experienced a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. When you were coaching, was there anything that you learned about yourself or about the game that you kind of revisit often or like something that just rings true in your head now?
1: I feel like there's so much. Coaching definitely opened my eyes to – a lot of things and I loved it because I was constantly watching bowling. I was constantly, you know, watching ball motion, which for me actually helped me with my own game. But I think Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things was often I would tell the players, you know, let's say a suggestion of a move or a ball change. And of course they listen. And sometimes I'm telling them like, Hey, just listen to your gut. Whereas Mm -hmm. sometimes in the moment as a bowler, it's so hard to do that. And you then don't trust yourself. So it was one of those things I'm thinking, okay, if I'm telling the kids to do that, when I'm bowling myself I also have to do that like I can't not do what I'm preaching to them
0: mm-hmm. yeah for sure and then uh b- like that process of going through ball changes most often is like the thing that is make or break between making shows and not making shows or like winning a match and not making not winning a match that sort of thing um so th- have you found like have you found that your gut has become pretty accurate in the last couple of years? I guess is maybe the next question. I would question.
1: say it's getting better. I think the biggest thing is that the more educated and the more knowledge that you can have, the better mm-hmm. those guesses are going to become, right? In the yeah. end, it is a guess. So the more educated that guest can become, I think the better chance you have of succeeding. So the more Mm -hmm. knowledge that you have about your equipment, the more knowledge you have about lane play. Obviously, it makes those decisions easier because you feel like those decisions are correct.
0: Yeah. And you also have a good like this is actually something that I've been curious about, too, because um, I got to I got the chance to um be around Sean Ryan quite a bit during women's you know just like not that we're talking or anything like that but just being present like uh, or approximate to the conversations that he's having with the guys and also with the gals with the couple stops, I was able to go to and you know you've got Jim Callahan and, and a couple other ball reps that are floating around or Matt McNeil on the women's tour that like th- they're doing the thing that you were doing um what is that process of working with one of them like because they obviously know a ton, but they're not throwing the ball.
1: Right. I'm probably a little bit of a different opinion to a lot of people out there because I don't believe that ball rep should be a job. I believe that as an athlete, we should be able to make those decisions and choices by ourselves. So yeah. I probably speak to them a lot less than a lot of other players do because I want to make those decisions by myself. In the end, I'm the one throwing the ball. I'm the one seeing the ball go down the lane. So i I make those decisions now every now and then yes I might come up to them because I've got 55 ideas in my mind and I just need to blurt it out but most of the time when I blurt it out I've created the answer myself so I don't necessarily you know sometimes Sean will just stand there and he's like I like go off on one he's like you good now yeah I'm good and I'll walk away right whereas other players may need to be told to move two and one So that's kind of where I think I have that little bit of a different view on things. I think they're a great sounding board um, and every now and then, you know, they're great to get advice of, Okay, where is so-and-so playing? Like, can you go see who's leading and tell me what ball they're throwing, tell me where they're playing, and then I will make those decisions myself. Mm -hmm. And I think in the past, I've kind of struggled with... During qualifying, oftentimes I trust my gut so much, but then I get to the TV show and I feel like I need to listen to the ball reps versus listening to my gut. And sometimes that can get me in trouble. Now it might work both ways. You know, they might see things better than I see things. So Mm -hmm. it's just about creating that relationship with them and making sure that terminology we're on the same page because bowling's one of those sports to where it's not really that black and white in terms of, okay, you say your balls, um, picking up early or you say your ball is too quick okay well what you describe as your ball being too quick does that mean the same thing to me and I think mm-hmm. if you don't have that understanding and that communication with the ball reps and obviously it can get too confusing if they're telling me okay Verity you need to use a slower ball and I pick up what I consider a slower ball that might not be a slower ball to them mm-hmm. so you kind of have to make sure at least I think in the off season that you've had those conversations with them so that when you get to the events it can be a quick communication because you know exactly what they mean, and then in the end, it's up to the player whether they listen to that rep or not. Sean mm-hmm. might tell me, "Hey, you need to throw your dart code," and I might not throw it because it's still up to me to make that decision.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's fantastic because that like you're you're absolutely right that that is not how um, a bystander like me would would picture those types of conversations, right? Because you're you're right, like these guys are in gals are getting paid to tell you what to do basically, right. To, to use the information and the knowledge that they have to, to make your job a little bit easier, I guess. So that's an interesting way of looking at it, but I, I respect it too because you get so used to seeing the 55 feet of the ball motion that you have, because no one really sees the first five feet. But when you're standing at the foul line, it's well, I know what I want to see. I know what works and having that, having that faith have you found like having that that trust and faith in yourself like has just generally resulted in better results
1: yeah a hundred percent because it's kind of one of those things right if my gut tells me to throw the dark code but sean Mm. tells me to throw the phase two well if i listen to him and i throw the phase two i'm probably not going to commit to it because i don't believe it so that shot regardless of whether that was the correct bowling ball or not that shot's not going to be as good as the shot that i truly trust my gut So let's say the gut shot is maybe the wrong ball, but because I throw it so much better and I truly believe it, it's going to succeed over the shot that isn't committed. So that's kind of where then the whole mental side of things kind of comes into it as well. And I think in the end, trusting the gut is most important. And sometimes that's what the ball reps are there for. Sometimes you give them three ideas and they tell you, they might say to you, Okay, like, which one do you want to do? And you say it and they just say, "Okay, go do it because they Mm -hmm. know that, too. They know that if they try and second guess you and give you another idea, there's going to be a little bit less trust there. So then Mm -hmm. the shot's not going to be as good. So I would rather trust my gut first and that be wrong and then go and do something else than Mm -hmm. have that doubt in my mind that, oh, my gut really wanted me to throw that ball.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's I like that. If, if anyone is listening to this or watching this, take that as a piece of advice. Just grab the ball out of your bag that you think is going to work and just throw it. Just throw it really well because like and I think
1: the biggest piece of advice from that is learn your own game because in yeah. the end, you know your game better than anyone knows it. Right. As much time as I might spend with the ball reps on the summer tour, that's three months out of the year. So for those nine other months, they are not watching me throw a bowling ball but I am throwing the bowling ball. So I should know my game better than they know it. And again, it's still my responsibility to talk to them and make sure that I can create that relationship whilst we're on tour because there are times where they're needed. There are times when I might need to know that lane 45 is hooking seven more than lanes 44. That might be information that is good to get from them. But then again, they might tell me that it's up to me with what I do with that information. Do I make the move? and trust what they said or do I wait and do I see it for myself
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's awesome I love it you just you just described it all so well I don't even have a follow-up question normally I can transition things but you just nailed it all um I am I you know one of the things that um I I I wanted to really make a point to ask you about because I think like um, you know between the social media stuff and the fact that this season and last season on the women's tour I mean you've you've experienced a pretty good amount of success like mm-hmm. sure you can you can say that there's only one win in there but I wouldn't look at it that way like that's just me like you've had two really really good seasons yeah. um and obviously this one isn't done but you kind of highlighted the thing that I really wanted to put a lot of focus on is is process and the fact that, like you're going, you you're not really a goals oriented person. You don't even like in social media, you don't even communicate that you're a goal oriented person. Like a lot of it is about patience and yeah. just trusting the fact that it, it will happen when it happens. And, and I, as a bowler myself, it's like, you know, if, if I'm having a bad day, it's like, I can actually go there and, and read something like that and be like, okay, she's competing at the highest level. And she's a hundred times better than I am. What am I freaking out about? What is that? What is that process? Like, cause I believe you bowl full time. So you're always working on it. What, what is your quote unquote process from, I know you work out a lot, you practice a lot, you compete a lot. How do you kind of surmise or uh, kind of put all that together?
1: It's hard. um, But I think that, (laughs) I don't know, the more that I focus on the results, the worse my results are. And that was something, you know, it took me a very long time to realize that. But now since I've been focused more on the process, there is so much more enjoyment. Because let's say you go to a tournament and you bowl awful and you're so focused on the results, well, you're gonna kind of put that tournament away as a really, really bad event. Whereas now when I'm focused on the process, I take that tournament as, okay, well, I learned so much from it that it's only gonna help me get better the next time round, And I think that has kind of been a big learning curve for me as well as when I go to these events and I'm constantly learning, it's only gonna make me better versus dwelling so much on that bad game, which then just causes another bad game or another bad tournament. So I think that's kind of been pretty monumental in my game is that there's so much more enjoyment when you're focused on the process that I want to go to these tournaments and I want to be able to look around and be like, wow, I'm bowling against the best in the world. This is so cool versus, oh, my God, I need to shoot 200 today. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to make the cut because yeah. then there's no enjoyment in that. And yeah. just focusing on those results becomes miserable. So y- for yes. me, that's, that's been what's been so enjoyable is that I'm actually enjoying the bowling. Right. I'm enjoying the process of learning and growing and getting better. And I know that you know, there's gonna be bad performances in there because we're all human and we're learning. But as long as I can enjoy that, then that's what matters.
0: Yeah, how much is um, physical fitness a part of that for you? Cause you were, and, and I don't know if this was a uh, Weber thing or a, 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 a whole colleges thing, but the 2016 Strength and Conditioning Athlete of the Year which very people probably know, which I think is fantastic. I'm losing you here. Sorry, my Wi-Fi is not being great right now. Yeah, you did. Can- I, I'm frozen. i frozen. <laughs> there we go. I'm, are we better now? Yeah, we're good. Um, Sorry about that. Um, 2016 Strength and Conditioning Athlete of the Year. I, I think a lot of people know if they follow you on social media, that um, strength and conditioning is a big part of your life. Um, but how much of that is, what do you say is a part of your game? How much of that is a part of your process?
1: So now it's a huge part of my process back then at Weber, you know, we were forced to work out and that's how mm-hmm. I felt. I felt like, Oh, I have to work out. Right. It was such a chore that last year, I kind of started to realize actually, it might be benefiting my bowling a little bit. So I I put a lot more emphasis into it. And then since then, it's kind of been that thought of, like, you look at every other sport in the world and they're athletes, right? I wanted to be an athlete and I wanted bowling to be perceived as that. So I got a little bit more into it. And then I realized how much it benefits my game. And for me, one of my biggest weaknesses has always been ball speed I always felt like I threw the ball a little bit too slow so for me it was okay well in order to increase my ball speed I need to get my legs moving a little bit more and I felt like in order to do that my legs need to be stronger I physically need to be stronger and obviously if anyone's kind of seen our schedule on the PWA tour it it can be a little condensed especially this year it's been a lot of bowling back to back to back well if I have no physical fitness then i have no idea how i would be able to handle that right and in a sense of i would be sore i would be exhausted like we bowled i bowled 153 games or something in 18 days from clearwater to the classic series to the us open and my body felt great right like i had a busted open finger but that had that that doesn't count right in terms of <laughs> physical fitness i felt great and it kind of gave me that confirmation of how important this fitness is. And don't get me wrong. Like there's times where I am far from motivated to go and work out. But I think that's when you kind of have to realize that I'm working out for bowling, but I'm also working out because it just makes me feel better. Like I feel so much better in myself when I have done that workout, when I'm eating the right things, the amount of energy is completely different. And I just feel like so much better.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, <clears throat> do you find that when you, when you practice on the lanes too, that, that like is fulfilling, like going through the process of just getting better, you know, hanging out in the Kegel warehouse, <laughs> like with, with whoever, with it. I mean, and I know I always pay attention when you're hanging out with Janowitz because he's amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it, do you find the process of practicing pretty fulfilling too?
1: I do. I mean, for me, I think that, everything I do in practice is preparing me for the tournaments, because when I get to those tournaments, I want my subconscious to take over and I want to be able to have that thought process of, okay, well, I did all of the work in practice so that I can be out here and compete. Like practice needs to be hard so that the tournaments are easy. And I feel like over the last couple of years, I've definitely experienced that a lot with bowling with John Janowitz. And Mm -hmm. I am very fortunate to have him as a resource. And it's something that I've really taken advantage of since I moved back to Florida in the last couple of years because he has so much knowledge and so much experience that, you know, we need to be surrounded by that. You need to be bowling with people who are better than you. You need to be bowling with people who have more knowledge than you so that you can kind of soak that all in and get better yourself too. And that's something that I've really done. I bowl with him normally twice a week. Um, And we bowl games together, but we're bowling on PWA patterns or, you know, a PBA pattern or a pattern that's maybe coming up for a tournament. And we're kind of going through the scenario that we might see in a tournament. And sometimes those practices are awful. Like I bowled a couple of weeks ago before a PBA event and I didn't shoot over 200 in the practice, but then I go to the tournament and I was second in my qualifying block with the guys. So it just, it gives me that confidence that, I've kind of already experienced it in practice and I can learn some of the things that I see on the lanes in practice to make those decisions easier when I then get to the tournament. But I know that not everybody has access to be able to bowl on different patterns and to bowl with people who are better than them. So it's kind of one of those things to where you have to figure out what you can do with your resources to learn as much as you can.
0: And you're providing some of those resources. You're one of the one of the few bowlers that's out there on tour that is doing that through your Patreon. How's that going?
1: Yeah, it's fantastic. And that's one of the main reasons I set it up because I know that, you know, there are some resources on YouTube, and you might be able to scroll through facebook and and find some things. But I wanted to have one place that people can go to that they can learn, they can get better. They can ask me questions. Like I definitely don't know it all. I I have plenty left to learn myself, but as I'm learning, if I can share that knowledge with other people, that's gonna help them get better, then that only helps grow the sport. And in the end, I just want more people to be bowling. So if I can help with that, if I can get one person to pick up a bowling ball or get one person to improve their average because they used a tip or a trick that I'm talking about, then I think that's a win in my book
0: but doing that is a lot of work doing what you do in social media. I mean, you, you have of all of all of the bowlers, male, female, or otherwise, like one of the most polished social media presences that on the internet for within our industry, um, takes a lot of work to do that. I'm sure that I'm, i I sure hope that there's people that are helping you do that. I'm not hundred percent sure how that works, but like, what like obviously obviously there's you know there there is that essence of of growing the sport you know helping grow your brand that sort of thing but this might sound really like dumb but but why do it like why put all that work in outside of like set fitness practice just getting better at 60 feet and 10 pins
1: i think to show that it's possible growing up social media wasn't as big of a thing so Mm -hmm. i didn't really know about professional bowling youtube wasn't as huge then there were events and you know there were shows and stuff on youtube but i never really watched them whereas now social media is so huge that if i can find one little girl or one little boy that finds my page and thinks oh i like bowling maybe i can be like her one day and i think that's really why i started it just to be able to show people that professional bowling is a thing bowling is a sport and you can do it for a living. You know, there was a time frame where I was coaching too, and I didn't necessarily do it full time, but I've just wanted to be able to kind of show and inspire people to pick up a bowling ball. And one of the best ways to do that is through social media because it's free and everyone's obsessed with it. Everyone's scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. So if someone can find my post and they think, huh, one day maybe I can do that, or maybe they do, maybe they're already a bowler and they can learn something.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's, um... So when I was in um, Milwaukee for the world series, when Kyle won the cheetah championship. And I, I think I'm, if I, if I freeze again, just, yeah. just throw me a chat message. I can see it. I can see it wobbling. But okay. um, when I was there and he won, it was, it was downright insane. Uh, the, the, I hope you can hear me. I can tell that yeah. we're struggling. The internet is a great thing. Some days, it's um,
1: when it works, right?
0: It's great when it works. Um, but either uh, yeah so but but obviously Brad and Kyle have out of all of us like they're they're kind of leading the pack like they've they've done a lot of work um they once they hit that 100,000 subscriber mark on YouTube every like that was monumental i think i think for the game as a whole i think that that'll be something that like that was a that was a landmark in in the changing of the game um for for the 21st century but when he was in Milwaukee and he won it, it was the loudest I've ever like I've been to playoff baseball games and it was louder than that. It, and it was in it was absolutely insane when you won because I wasn't able. Obviously, I, I live in central Wisconsin. I was not there in Nashville. Like, did you find like it? Did, were you surprised with the volume of people and the like the volume of the people like sound wise, like when you actually ended up winning?
1: I don't know it's all a bit of a blur now to be honest I feel like I would need to go back and kind of watch the YouTube video of me winning um, Mm -hmm. because it was I don't know I felt like I was kind of in this dreamland bubble but it is really nice to see the amount of support the amount of people that obviously came out to watch and I stayed afterwards and I did a lot of photos and autographs and people wanted to stay people wanted to take a photo and I think that's really cool
0: and it's gotta be pretty surreal when you're at bowl expo and junior gold, like basically back to back weeks and you're next to norm Duke almost like the whole time who just had one of the coolest moments in bowling ever, ever up in Maine. And, and you're, you're just standing shoulder to shoulder with him. I mean, to a point like from a public perspective perception, like you're kind, you're kind of right there. I mean, obviously he's, Hall of Famer, he's Norm Duke. Into our eyes, it's like that's freaking Norm Duke.
1: Yeah, but that's, but that's to, to my eyes too. I'm fangirling inside when I'm stood next to him.
0: <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's got to be quite an honor then to be able to stand next to him. Was that like? Did you did you find in the last couple of weeks that you like you took a little bit at that in a little bit extra?
1: I think so. I mean, there's definitely a special side to it, but part of me still, I find it hard to fathom that I was stood next to him, like not coming up to him as a fan, because I still yeah. feel like that's the case. I actually walked into, we did a demo day at Junior Gold and he was in an earlier session. So I wasn't like, well, he, no, he was, he was on my like session but he was already at the bowling center. So I like walk up to, there was literally a queue. So I joined the queue so that I could take a picture with Norm Duke. And I'm like, okay, I'm working beside him but I'm still queuing to take a photo with him because that's just how I felt like I should do it
0: that's valid. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to cut the line, right? It would, it would everyone else is waiting. <laughs>
1: exactly. I still feel that way. Right. I don't have my self. I'm far from being on the same level as Norm Duke, but he is, he is definitely an inspiration for this sport.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh to have to, to have that, that out, like that way out in retirement is, you know, it's, it, it was, it was pretty special. I, I, I think that that'll be something that when we look back in 10, 15 years and think about some of the cool things that have happened you know, in bowling, that's going to be one of them that really mm-hmm. stands out.
1: It's so hard to think that he's actually retired though, right? Like None yeah, of
0: us want to believe it.
1: No, no one wants to believe it. And everyone I kind of have has that thought of, oh yeah, that was so cool. He's going to come back, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. so set on the fact that that wasn't actually his last time, but you speak to him and he's like, no, I'm like, I'm done. I'm not bowling again.
0: Yeah, it's just, yeah. I mean, because he, I mean, he's obviously the only life that we've known is Norm Duke is on TV, right? Like, not even that he's just there, but he's like, he's in it all the time. But it, and to, to have, you know, I, I don't, it, it's one of those things, right? Like, I think a lot of people, and maybe, actually, uh, maybe this is more of a question than a statement for you. But I think would you would you wish for a swan song like that, right? Like, does because you because if you wish for it and then you get it, like he got, then what do you do? Because it feels so, it's got to feel so good.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: do you want to have like that type of a like that type of an end to a a professional bowling career?
1: I mean, I don't want the career to end, right? Like, I, know, I never want to retire, but I think mm-hmm. if you're going to go out, then of course you want it to be that way. You want yeah. to feel the recognition and the love that you've had and the amount of work that you've put in over all those years. You want to feel like it paid off and that it means something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's just, you know, you, sometimes you ask for what you want and then, and then you see it happen outside of it. It's like, I really wonder, like, could I, could I stop yeah. <laughs> if that were to happen? To, I've to always run. made the joke if I ever... If i if i ever uh if i ever shot 900 i would retire i've always i've always made that joke because it's never going to happen like i i i struggle to get 12 in a row it's certainly going to happen three times in a row but,
1: but you've got to start uh, to existence. if you don't believe it's going to happen then it's not going to happen so you I don't know if that mindset. but i don't
0: know if i want to have it happen like like i got there's there's there would be such a can you like Can you imagine the i mean you can't imagine the nerves like but to have that one's like that would be crazy um but speaking of 12 in a row you shot 300 at nationals this year i did what was that like
1: oh it was cool it was kind of one of those things to where and this has happened a lot this year where i've shot 300 like Mm -hmm. i have seven or eight strikes in a row and i don't realize it like i'm so much in this bubble of bowling and for me at women's nationals it was I was with the team I was like having so much fun with the girls that I'm just throwing a shot and then I'm talking to them and we're having fun and all of a sudden I'm you know I'm on the 12th strike
0: <laughs> just, just didn't even the, you didn't even realize when
1: it when you're not even when you're so much in that flow state to where yeah. you're truly just bowling and that's what I was doing
0: yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, for me, every time I think about it, if I'm on like the front eight and I think about like, oh, I could go. It's the next shot is a nine count. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I do. So that's pretty cool. Go-
1: trying too hard to get that strike. Whereas yeah. those eight strikes leading up to it, you were just bowling. You were doing your thing.
0: Mm-hmm. And you also struck a lot during the team event enough to. I believe it's official now that you guys actually won the, the diamond team events. Um, how, I mean, obviously that's something that will probably sink in once the, once the trophies are presented to you, but, um, it's, you know, not everybody gets to have that title. Is that like, is that something that you've been thinking about a lot, like paying attention to quite a bit here in the last, in the closing weeks? And like, what is it kind of like in your head now?
1: Not really. I think that as a team, we never went in with the expectation that we were going to win. It was just uh, like we had a good team, but we were never thinking, oh, i kind of to win this year kind of thing. So then when we took over the lead after that squad, it was, well, obviously that's going to get beat. Like we were so sure that someone was going to come in even the next day and beat it because we didn't think the score was, we thought it was very achievable. So then every now and then I would kind of check in with the group and we would keep kind of, Oh, we're still in first. We're still in first. And then when it got down to the last day and nobody beat us, you know, unofficially we, yeah, was a bit mind blowing. But to me, it's also that I always feel like there's a lot more precedence put on the open championships than the women's championships. So everyone talks so much about winning an Eagle, winning an Eagle, and then it comes down to the women's championships. And it feels to me that it's not as big of a deal.
0: That's yeah, yeah. I, it, there is. I would I would agree with that sentiment. Um, because yeah, I, I don't know. I th- I would just agree with that. That there, yeah, it, it feels like there is. There is there is half the number of teams in its and its four person teams, um, and it is you know I, I think uh, there is a part of it too from a public perception that. Um, because of the number of divisions too in the women's that it kind of might discount it a little bit. But if I'm being honest, I don't, I don't, I would never want to discount a win for anybody. Like I don't really care if you're bowling in your local, you know, just your home bowling center in an in-house tournament and you beat 25 other people. Like why, why would you take away from that? I guess is my question, and especially when you get up to a you know a level where you're winning, you know, against the best f- female bowlers in the country, a lot of them in the world. I mean, if you look at the top twenty, uh, in doubles, like I was I was scrolling that because I I was I, I was trying to just remember uh, what your scores were. I was like, man, there is so much talent in there. It's unbelievable how good these these bowlers are. Gender out the window, it doesn't matter. Like, they're phenomenal. So, just to say that you're, you know, first in team, second in doubles, and, you know, ninth in all events, like, that's, that's like really good nine games.
1: We'll <laughs> ignore my singles blog.
0: We're just not going to talk about
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was even on the first page of the results. <laughs>
0: that's fine. It's, it's just what it is. Not a, you can't, you can't put, I mean, you can put nine really good ones together, but it's, but that I think also illustrates how impressive actually winning is, is, is how hard it is to put three games together on a stage like that, regardless of where it is or who you're bowling with.
1: Yeah. And I think it is important to remember that, right? Like you look down the list of bowlers and everyone that bowled Queens pretty much, bowled the women's championship so you do have some of the best women bowling and I do think you know that sometimes does get hidden a little bit by the open championship so to me I think I just need to remember that like we won the team and I need to look at all of the other bowlers that were there even finishing second in doubles like we had no expectation that that was going to happen and Sometimes that's the best way to do it because when you go in with no expectations, you are far from focused on the results and you're truly just embracing the moment, having a good time and bowling
0: for sure. And next week you're walking into another kind of call it unique events. I have no idea how to say his names. So I'm just going to call him Chris. Can I just call him Chris? Is that okay? Um, Uh, For for those that don't know who he is, um, he's now uh, kind of a kind of a higher up at Kegel. Great bowler himself. Uh, Did he bowl at Weber also?
1: He did. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, So uh, he's he's got uh, I I would say like one of the better physical games that doesn't get a whole lot of notoriety. Um, I believe if, if I remember or know correctly, I believe he's your boyfriend, too. Uh, so that helps, uh, maybe. Maybe that makes the bowling together thing a little bit more interesting. But the the Lucy doubles is uh, will be starting the day after this goes live, and you guys are first squad, eight a.m. roll call in Texas. Like, are you looking forward to that one? Is that one that really kind of excites you?
1: I am. It's always a really fun event for a very good cause. There's a lot of people there. There is just a lot going on. Um, I've bowled that event actually with Wes Malott for six or seven years we bowled together so this is my first year not bowling with him which is going to be very different i was kind of ready for a little bit of a different experience it was my choice um to switch it up and decide to bowl with my boyfriend who i bowl with him a lot he helps me a lot with my game and Mm -hmm. we've had a decent amount of success bowling doubles tournaments together so it's it's one of those things, do I feel really comfortable bowling with him? I feel like he knows my game nearly as well as i probably better sometimes than I know my game. So it's one of those that I'm just looking to kind of go bowl and enjoy it.
0: Yeah. yep, And I think that's most of the people that I've talked to that are bowling that their mindset where it's like, Would I love to win it? Absolutely. But because of all of the things that surround that event, it's not just about the competition or about the winning side of it. Um, And then the week after that, you wrap the women's tour season in Texas, three events in the same center at USA bowl in Dallas. Um, Do you have, what do you have? I mean, are, are there goals going into that or is it just it's three more and, we're going to put our head down and, and do do our best
1: yeah and that's kind of the way i have to look at it like would i love to say you're gonna win one of course right deep down mm-hmm. that's everyone's goal everyone wants to win you know that every pwa bowler that is competing in that event wants to win that's kind of a mm-hmm. given so yeah. of course there is that thought in the back of your mind but for me i know that if i think about that it's not going to happen i just have to bowl and I I really want to enjoy it because in the end this is the last tour event that we have for this year so Mm -hmm. it's one of those to where if I walk away regretting oh I should have done this or I should have done that then I'm just going to beat myself up over the end of our tour season so I just want to go and kind of enjoy bowling against the best in the world and it is my last event for this year so it's just you know make the most of being able to bowl and be thankful that we did have a tour this year. After COVID, I think it's always been up in the air in terms of how's bowling going to be. And it seems to be thriving right now, but we never know when it's going to be taken away from us again. You know, uh, we never imagined a pandemic happening, but it's happened. And that doesn't mean it can't happen again. So, you know, just kind of enjoy these last three events, because what if we don't have a tour again?
0: And for what it's worth, you did make the best out of your pandemic experience as a bowler, as best as you could. I would recommend everybody goes back, and and, and scrolls deep into Verity's uh, social media because there was some. I, it was honestly, it was pretty impressive. Like. Just keep trying to keep yourself sharp, like literally bowling into your house into pillows, bowling in your yard, like just getting your hand in a ball. It was it was it was fun and it was fun to watch, and honestly, it created a little bit of just reprieve, I would say, as a bowler, where it's like I I didn't bowl from March until September, mm-hmm. like it was it was the longest gap I had had since 2013, and. Like I, I, I kind of missed it. I liked the break a little bit, to be perfectly honest. But also, it was like, once it got really in the thick of it, I was like, man, I just really want to go bowling. And, mm-hmm. and just couldn't do it. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Don't take it for granted. Yeah. Um, so, we're approaching the hour mark. And uh, I always try to keep these to that limit because I don't want to take too much of your time. But I do want to tell you a little bit of a story that leads into a question. So, um, 2017. You made the show uh, as the one seed for the the Detroit Open.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, for those that don't know, back in 2017, uh, the way that they did the shows was qualified at the centers um, and then did a batched TV show. So they taped three that day after the Players' Championship. Longest, I can't imagine being on the production crew for that because that had to be the longest day in the world. Um, but, uh, because of the fact that it was in green Bay, uh, I was there. So, um, <laughs> I actually got to see, uh, firsthand, uh, your first show. Um, and it was actually the one, cause it was, I believe it was the last show of the day of the four. And, and I told my buddy that I was with, I was like, we had like, cause he wanted to go home. I was like, dude, we can't miss this yeah. one. Like, this is the one we want to see.
1: Quick
0: uh, No, it wasn't
1: my first. Yeah. Show. it wasn't it was my second show
0: of that. Yeah, that's no. right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. My my apologies. <laughs> uh, I I I, I, can, I uh one of my friends. uh, She she'll 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 appreciate the fact that I was wrong about something because we don't we don't like to talk about that. But um, but yeah, I was but I was there and I was like, dude, we gotta watch this. Um, and obviously, you know, the the result wasn't what you wanted it to be. Right. Um, to a point, I mean, also being able to watch one of your best friends win, it's like, well, you know, does that take the edge off a little bit? Maybe. But my question is, um, going from, if you, if you were to talk to Verity in 2017, that's, that's sitting there and knows that you just lost And, 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 and regardless of who you lose to, right? Like it still hurts. Yep. What is the advice that you give her?
1: Good question. Um it's a hard one because I think I give the advice, but that, you know, young Verity still won't want to listen to it because the amount of advice that I got at that time was everything that I should listen to. But it is really hard in that moment to realize. Like I would want to tell her that. You know, keep going. It's not all about winning, and that the results don't define you, and that you need to learn from it. It's going to make you stronger. But that was all stuff that I heard in that moment. It's like Mm -hmm. I would want to say that to her, but I know that in that moment, not much can really change how I felt.
0: Mm -hmm. But over time, that we'll call it, well, maybe maybe call it stubbornness has faded.
1: Yeah, definitely, because I think for me. I had a really good rookie season and Mm -hmm. I started to finish second a lot. And that kind of started to build year after year, my first three years on tour. And I never had the expectation that I was going to win. But I think once you start finishing second and I didn't have enough respect for the fact that I was making the shows and that I was finishing Mm -hmm. second. I was beating myself up too much about not winning versus appreciating the fact that I didn't finish third. I didn't finish fourth. Like I was second. And I think I never realized in that moment how monumental and how amazing it still is to finish second. So mm-hmm. that would have to be some way for me to tell that, you know, 21, 22 year old Verity, like you finished second, like, in the in, against some of the best bowlers in the world. And I think emphasizing that needed to be a lot more important than I made it because I was putting the thought process on you didn't win, you didn't win, you didn't win and took for granted the fact that I finished second mm-hmm. or even I just made the show like that's still right. huge. And there are so many people in the world that would wish that they could do that. And I think about this year, like this year, I've missed the show quite often I finished six a few times this year and top five made the show and in this moment I'm like well I want to make the show but yet when I was finishing second I was beating myself up for making the show (laughs) I'm finishing second so it's just one of those things to where we obviously always want more but sometimes you have to take a step back and really appreciate where you are and what you're doing in the moment.
0: That's, that's the best advice I think you, you could give yourself or to anybody else. That's, and that's one of those things too. The reason that I like asking that question is maybe one day down the road, you're beating yourself up again. And yep. maybe you just got to go back and list your own, your, your own best advice. Um, I am super, super curious though. We can finish, we can end this conversation on a light note. Cause, uh, I, like I, I kind of already said, uh, Detroit open, uh, Dario wins that for, for her first title. Um, but your first title you beat her (laughs) did you throw it back at her a little bit did you did you kind of did you jab it out a little bit like i got mine now
1: no we we never really talked about (laughs) it i think it was one of those facts as in both of those situations we knew that either one of us was going to win which is really nice to walk away go have dinner that night and we know that one of us got the trophy
0: yeah that's okay fine i i just you know Sometimes I may have this wishful thinking of like just that friendly combative nature. So, <laughs> so, all right. Uh, well, thank you very much for the time, Verity. Um, best of luck uh, at the Lucy and also uh, to finish your PWBA season. Thank you, honestly, for what you do too. Like you said, uh, a, a lot of what you do is really focused on helping build the sport, getting people's attention on, on the fact that it can be an option and, and what you do, with not only in, in in your your just bowling game, but also in the social media stuff and all that. I really appreciate, I know, the, I, I know more than I really care to know how much work it is. So thank you for doing it uh, and keep it up. I think that that's the future of the sport. Um, I think that that's how we grow it. We just take the bull by the horns like you are and make it happen. So thank you very much for doing that and best of luck the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for doing this. I mean, you're doing great things for bowling too. So keep it up.
0: I appreciate it. Well, yeah, have a have a have a good weekend. And again, happy belated birthday.